Good morning. Good morning. I am really excited, I hope you are too, about this series that we're doing for the city, uh, exploring God's call on us as a church and as individual believers uh, to make a difference in the city here in Spokane where he has placed us. It's, uh, it's a part of who he calls us to be. I'm glad that we're talking about it and looking into it. A couple of weeks ago, we talked uh, that God has placed uh, upon us a call to love the city. And we talked about that, and Mayor Condon was here. Uh, we interviewed him, and he talked a lot about how that plays out. Then last week, uh, we talked about the way that God calls us to serve our city, practically, and meeting the needs there. And our state representative, Kevin Parker, was up here, and we interviewed him, and that was tremendous. This morning, we're going to be talking about kind of the other piece of the, of the puzzle, and that's this. The call that God has on you and on me to tell the city the good news about Jesus Christ, and to make the story of the gospel known to the people all around us. And after having the mayor here and a state representative here, I'm super excited this morning to be able to interview in a little bit my friend Todd. Yeah. And I'll just say this, that if you knew Todd, you'd clap louder than that, but you'll figure that out later in just a little bit. Hey, the main verse that we're looking at throughout this series comes out of the book of Jeremiah. It's where Jeremiah is speaking to the people who are exiled in Babylon, and he gives them this instruction. He says, also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And so we understand this idea that we actually contribute to the prosperity of our city uh, by loving our city with a love that compels us towards action on the city's behalf, right? And we understand that we actually uh, contribute towards the prosperity of Spokane when we serve with a kind of service that meets the, uh, the very practical, very real, everyday needs of the people with the least resources and the least ability to maybe look out for their own welfare that way. So this love that results in an action and the service that results in these practical issues being met, these actually produce a level of prosperity in the city where God has placed us. But we have to understand that there's more to prosperity than we're normally thinking of, right? Because we're, we're Westerners, we're Americans, we're capitalists at heart, and when we hear the word prosperity, our minds go where? Immediately to the wallet, to the bottom line, and to the money, and to the finances. And that's a part of what uh, Jeremiah was talking about, but it's certainly by no stretch the only thing he was talking about. The, the word that he uses is shalom, and it includes the idea of prosperity, but it includes a lot more as well. It also includes, like politically, the idea of stability in a region. It also includes the idea um, socially, that there's a sense of community and togetherness and camaraderie that the city shares. It, it actually includes the idea of physically, everything being well and healthy and whole as, as well. And it includes the legal idea of justice being done and, and all facets of society having equal access to that justice. And very importantly, the idea of shalom that Jeremiah was talking about, it, it has a spiritual component also. And it includes in it the idea of a rightly ordered relationship with God that's not shared by just a few unique individuals, but which is part of uh, the entire community, each person in the community sharing that rightly ordered relationship with God. This idea of shalom is a big deal. And when we love our city, we move Spokane towards that picture of shalom and that vision. And when we serve our city, we actually move the city towards that vision of shalom that Jeremiah is talking about. But loving and serving enough are not going to get us all the way there. 
to a vision that is that grand. In fact, it takes a supernatural work by a very creative and powerful God to accomplish that, to be sure. And so here's our job. Our job is to introduce our city to the powerful and to the creative God that we have already met and to introduce them to his plans to provide that kind of shalom for the city itself. Now, when we start talking about, are you talking about like sharing our faith with people and actually telling people about Jesus? Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And for some of us, we, that just gives us the creeps. We get super uncomfortable with the idea of actually talking to somebody out there about Jesus. And partly it's because we've seen people do it in ways that are um, like uh, cringeworthy. We, we've seen people kind of step beyond the appropriate boundaries. We've seen people be uh, awkward and difficult. And, and if you've ever seen someone attempt to do evangelism that way, you know that's not who you want to be. You don't want to be that guy. In fact, maybe you're thinking uh, of this guy. See if you recognize him. You, you're going to hell. Hey, buddy, I might see you at church later today. No? All right, well, then, then enjoy hell, I guess. Yeah, get up every morning pretty early and uh, come up here and share the good news from my rooftop. <laughs> hey, Baldy. No, Baldy locks. Jesus loves you, babe. I, I think the rooftop is a perfect place to win souls for Christ. Um, you know, when you're up here, it's easy to look down on people and see all their shameful ways and to yell at them to change those ways. And they listen because I'm a voice from above, and they respect that. <laughs> Guys, have you heard of Jesus Christ? He's your personal Lord. No, he is your personal Lord and Savior. I, have you asked him into your heart? Do you, you want to chat? I have a Bible up here. I'll throw one at you. I, I haven't saved anyone or led anyone to Christ personally, but I am pretty sure that I've saved thousands. Excuse me, sir, put those cigarettes down. Those are bad for you. Your body is a temple that Christ gave you as a gift in order for you to live this life and find out that salvation is here for you. If you just accept them into your heart. Go down there? Why would I go down there? It's filthy down there. It's full of sinners. No. Uh, my place is up here. I belong up here doing God's work. Would you like me to pray over you? Where are you going? Come. All right. Good luck in hell. So if that's your picture of telling people about Jesus, I want to say, first of all, stop. <laughs> and maybe we can, uh, we can take a, a slightly different look at what it means to tell the city about Jesus this morning. Because telling the good news of the gospel is really nothing like that. It's something very different. It's as simple as this, that a very powerful and a creative God desires to do something supernatural, a supernatural work here in the city and to bring shalom, peace, and a broad-based prosperity to our city, right? That's what we're talking about. And here's the thing. By definition, we who are Christians, we who are followers of Jesus Christ, we've had an experience where a very powerful and supernatural God does a deep and penetrating work in us and does the impossible in our life, right? We have experienced that. Telling the city about Jesus is really nothing more than telling our story to the people who are already in our life. It's about being intentional with the people who are already in our life and sharing our story with them, with our friends, with our family members, 
with our coworkers, with our colleagues, with our teachers, with our students, with our study group members, with our teammates. And all we do is we tell them how, how a powerful and a loving creator God has already done the impossible in our own lives. How he's forgiving us. How he's delivering us. How he's empowering us. How he's saving us. How he's transforming us and rescuing us and adopting us and preparing us for heaven and doing all of that. These are the realities of the life that we live as followers of Jesus. This is the story that we have been living out. And to tell that story with those who are around us is to share the good news of the gospel. It's our story of God doing that impossible work in our lives may be the thing that convinces people he'd be willing to do that kind of work in their life and in the life of our city as well. And here's the thing. Every story is unique. Each one of us has our own story to tell. My story is the story of a kid who grew up in a kind of very normal, boring, churchy sort of a family, took on the faith of his parents, but along the way had to come to these wrestling points of figuring out, do I really believe, or have I just tagged along to the faith of my father? And at those points of crisis, having to come to the conclusion about, do I really believe that this is, is true or not? and fighting through that crisis of identity. That's my story. Your, your story may be different. Other people have stories of running for God, from God their entire lives and living a life of complete and understanding rebellion against God's call on their life until finally they couldn't run anymore and they just gave in and surrendered their life to God's will for them. Your story might be like either one of those or anywhere in between, but each story is unique in that regard. What all of these stories have in common, though, is this. They all begin with a human being who perceives him or herself as the main character in their story. We all begin understanding that I am the hero of my own, of my own story. But those who have come to follow Jesus have this point where they realize, wait, there's something more important than just me as the main character in my story. There's a God who loves me. And Jesus Christ, at one point or another, has become the hero of my story. And now my life living forward is me living out his story as best I can. I was living my life. I met Jesus, and it made everything different. And now he's my hero, and I'm living for him. That is the framework of your story as a follower of Jesus Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. It's also the framework of the story that God wants to tell here in the city of Spokane amongst our friends and neighbors. I think that it was something like this that was on the mind of Peter when he wrote. He said this, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. See, Peter calls to his audience and he says, Look, you need to be ready, you need to be prepared. And I'm going to give you just a super quick, maybe quickest ever three-point sermon off of that passage. So if, if, you're a, if you're a note taker, get the pen ready. If you're a listener, listen fast. Because here we go. From that passage, one, we got to do this. We need to live a life that generates questions. Peter assumes that the way Christians will live their life is going to cause those who are looking on to ask some questions. So live a heroic life so that people are asking questions about why you're doing it. Second, he says prepare. Second is this, prepare your story in advance. Don't wait until the moment when someone asks you about why you're a Christian or why you follow Jesus, but have it prepared, have it honed, have it ready to go so that you've got a ready answer within you. And then third, just tell that story at every opportunity. 
that tug in your heart that says, maybe this is a chance, maybe this is God calling me to share my story with this person, it probably is. And you may think that your story isn't particularly compelling. You may think that maybe your story isn't even complete. You may feel like you don't even understand your own story very well. And I just want to say that's okay. I want to introduce you to a guy named Andrew. Andrew was a follower of John the Baptist, actually. And then when John the Baptist identified Jesus as the Messiah, Andrew said, well, I guess I should probably go spend some time with the Messiah. So he went and he hung out for Je with Jesus for all of one afternoon. His story, where Jesus was concerned, was a few hours of time. And this is what we find out in the Gospel of John, that at that point, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought his brother Simon to Jesus. All he knew about his story was very incomplete. He just knew that he met this Jesus guy, and this Jesus guy seemed for real. So what did he do? He told his story to his brother. And Simon, Simon Peter, became the, the person whose confession became the rock of the church and the foundation of the church. Who knows but that that, that one time that you'd share your story with one person, that God won't use that person to do things amazing and abundantly beyond what you would ever imagine. And you might feel like, hey, I'm just a regular person. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a prophet. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a saint. I'm not a mayor. I'm not a state representative. I'm just a regular person. So this morning, I want to introduce you to a regular person who's a good friend of mine, Todd Kinzel. Todd and his wife, Angela, have been here at North Church along with their kids for about three and a half years. And Todd is the administrator of Sunshine Gardens in Spokane Valley. That's a medical facility, a skilled nursing facility that has, I think it's 80-some bed, and Todd manages something like 230 employees. He oversees and directs kind of all of that operation that way. And uh, Todd will be up here in just a moment. You'll also see him frequently on the weekends at the information counter, because one of the things Todd loves to do is help get people connected to find their next steps with the Lord, to find their next steps here at North Church. So you'll see him uh, out at the info counter as well. But na for now, would you join me in welcoming Todd Kinsel up to our platform? Thank you. It works. Yeah. Nice. Last service, we had a ball. The, the entire system went down, and we had no microphones. I talk loud. That's okay. And he talked loud, so it worked. Hey, what's it like knowing that your big claim to fame is being one of my friends? How long do I have? <laughs> Tell you what, instead of that, let's get to some of the prepared questions. How about this? We're talking this morning about sharing our story and telling our story with people. And so I'd love, just kind of briefly, can, can you tell us some of your story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, born, born in Spokane, born into a Christian home, and blessed for that. Um, became a Christian verbally at 13 years old at Christian camp. Um, then high school came and college. And I kind of fell away from the Christian lifestyle of following God um, until one fine day, my roommates in college um, kind of sat me down and said, you know, where you come from and what you believe and what you how you act, two different ways. So um, I decided, you know what, you're right. It's time. It, it's time to recommit my life um, to the Lord who has been so faithful through times of me not being so faithful. So through being married, um, through 
kids, through times of struggle with work. Basically, my whole life, God's always been faithful, so it was, it was time for me to step up. Great story. Excellent. So tell me a little bit now, because, you know, back in college, for you and I both, that's a ways back. It's a ways in the rear view. A little further for you. Thank you for that, yes. <laughs> so tell me a little, tell us, um, kind of in the day in, day out stuff that you do, what is it like for you, when the, and what do you do when you're there at Sunshine Gardens? Um, I get the privilege of taking care of 84 residents and not personally taking care of them, but I get to make sure that my staff um, oversee 84 people who can't care for themselves and talk about dignity, honor, respect, not only for my staff, but for the residents themselves. It goes both ways. Um, so I get to oversee all the activities, all the food they get to eat, all the supplies we have to supply, um, down to the financial aspect of the whole company. So um, it, it's a privilege for me to, to, to work there. God has taken me through an amazing journey to get to know what I want to do this the rest of my life. So um, that's what I get to do. And so you get to interact with families I do. At, at kind of times in their life when mm -hmm. there's real significant need yeah. uh, going on. Can you tell me about some of the opportunities that that presents you with and the chance to share your story in that context? Um, as we'll get to in a little bit, we're a faith-based organization. We get to pray before every meeting. Um, even if you're not a Christian that work for it, we have a lot of people that, that aren't Christians, but they know where we stand. Um, so they get to listen to us pray. They get to listen to us cry with families, cry, cry with residents, cry with staff through times of struggle, through, through good times. Um, we get to share our story of faith. And sometimes it's difficult. We get to know these residents really well. And eventually, sometimes they pass. Um, and it's hard. So we get to deal with, through our faith, grief, sorrow, sadness, with not only people from the community, uh, family members that come in, but also with the resident and staff, residents and staffs. So do you have your radar kind of finely tuned for those opportunities? Never. <laughs> I'm a fly by the seat of your pants kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned uh, Sunshine's faith-based, right? Yeah. Uh, and so that presents some real open opportunities to tell your story and share your faith. A lot of folks probably don't have that luxury and would find themselves maybe in a work environment where, uh, where that's either disallowed or frowned upon. What would you say to someone who's, who wants to share their story the way that God calls them to but might find themselves in a non-faith-based context? What would, you, what would your words to them be? Well, unfortunately, we have come to these times um, where we have the freedom of speech, but we don't have the freedom of speech. Um, because of our beliefs. So, you know, one thing I would say, and what I've had to do, I've never, I've, this is the first time I've worked at a faith-based organization, but pray. Pray that God would give you the opportunity to share your faith. Pray that God would um, tug at you and continue to tug at you to say, it's time for you to step up for me because I've stepped up for you. Um, and not only just the, through prayer, but also through how you live your life. How, how do you act at work? What do you do? Do you protrude your faith? Does it soak through your pores? Um, 
So the way we live, and I think through prayer, God will give you those opportunities. But please pray that he will hear them because they're there all the time. So for you, what is that? Um, what, how do you identify that tug of God in your heart that says, now's the time, share your story with this person or, or in that situation? How, how, do you, how do you experience that? I've, exper I've experienced it once. And, you know, I'm just like absolutely every person out here. Um, God's probably tugged on my heart to say, you need to share your story with that person. No, thank you. That's not my job. Um, but a year ago, um, I had a neighbor who had cancer and been dealing with it for five years. And through a friendship that we had gained, uh, he came to me and said, I just got bad news from the doctor. I have six months to live. And I'm, I was like, I am so sorry. As a mid-50s gentleman. Um, so my wife and I prayed for him. I said, my wife and I are going to pray for you. He, he's great. Thank you. Um, about five months later, I was sitting at home. Andrew was out with the boys. I mean, with her friends. And the boys and I were sitting around. And I, I got this thing in my heart that just said, you need to go over right now and talk to your neighbor. You don't know if he's a Christian but you better share. And my first response was typical. No, that's not for me. But um, he continued to do this, and I got sweaty and clammy, and I'm like, good Lord. <laughs> so I got the nerve. I just, I had really, we're, I'm, I have no problem talking to people. So I just walked over, and I said, you know, I'm here to talk. He said, fine. His brother was there, who I'd met a few times. And we sat down for an hour, and I basically told him my story. I said, here's where I came from, here's what I've done, here's where I am now. And it was probably one of the most powerful things that I've ever been through. You stumble like no other, but that's okay, because they're stumbling. And they're hearing this for the first time, or second time, maybe. Um, so I went home, and I was just like, that was the best thing ever. He died two weeks later. So how do you know when the right time is? The right time's now because you don't know what tomorrow holds. Yeah, that's strong. Um, let me ask you, um, if you know Todd, he's one of the most um, outgoing, enjoyable, fun, storytelling kind of guys you could meet. And he managed to share his story in, in just a couple of moments right there, which was awesome. Good. Ordering on Miraculous, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what would you say to, um, to someone who's like interested, I want to I be obedient to God, I want to share my story, I want to make an impact in the city, I, I want to share what God's done in me with others, um, but I'm not sure what the right words are or the right way. What, how would you encourage someone to kind of put their story together? Well, I'm 46. Nope, not trying to share my age. Um, and my story came together one year ago. Um, no, two years ago, wow. Um, my wife and I went through Rooted. And no, this isn't a commercial, <laughs> but um, it gave me the opportunity to sit with 10 people I had no idea who I, I didn't know um, for 10 weeks. And it, it's a preparation of getting your story together. Where is your faith if you're a new Christian to a 50-year-old Christian? What's, what's your story? Your story is where has God met you? Where have you failed? And where, where are you now? 
Um, it's a simple story of God is going to be there through goods and bads. Um, rooted is the way for you to get to that story, to practice your story, and they actually make you share your story. It's really powerful. Um, I highly, highly recommend, if you have not gone through Rooted, ask someone that has. Um, most people that I talk to, it's great. It also kind of segues into um, a study group. Now you have your own little study group that you can continue your Christian faith and walk. My experience with Rude was the same way that, um, in a theoretical way, it's nice to kind of put my story together and put words to it. And then there's that practical piece, yeah. the, the go do it, and, uh, and we're going to follow up with that. That's super powerful. So yeah. uh, I, I would echo your encouragement on that one. Todd, thank you for being here today. Thank would you. you. Would you thank Todd along with me? I believe very, very passionately about our call to tell the city of Spokane about Jesus, about what he's done in us, what he's doing in us, and what he will do. I believe in it strongly enough that I'm going to make a commitment to you here today. Um, you may or may not know this, um, but in a, just a couple of weeks, Rochelle and I are heading off uh, on an extended sabbatical, nine weeks. If you're not familiar with the idea of sabbatical, it's simply this. It's a designated time set aside to step away from the day in, day out tasks of ministry and to pray, to reflect, to hear God's voice, and to be re-energized about what God's saying about the next season of ministry for us here at North Church. As you can imagine, we're super excited and looking forward to it a lot. But I will make you this commitment. At the various places where we're going and uh, kind of spending this sabbatical, I am making a commitment to this group I'm going to share my story with somebody. And I'm asking you, and I'm inviting you when I get back sometime in the new year, I'm asking you to ask me, how did that go? Will you, will you do that for me? Hold me accountable that way? And then after I tell you my story of telling my story, I'll do this. I'll ask you, how did your adventure sharing your story go? Because I'm asking you to do the same thing over the upcoming weeks, and it's going to be great. Let's go ahead and pray. God, first of all, I want to say thank you for the story that you're telling in and through the faithfulness of this church and in the voice that we give to your love into our city. God, would you continue doing that? Would you continue making a difference in our life? Would you continue to save us and to set us apart and to grow us and change us and empower us? God, would you continue to be at work in us? And then as you do that, God, would you give us the courage and the skill to tell that story well? to those who are around us. Because our heart's desire, God, is to see our city loved, and it is to see them served, and it is to see them become very familiar with the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ, all of which brings about prosperity in the city where you've placed us. So God, would you do all of that, as incredibly as it may seem, through us here. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you are... Uh, new with us here this morning, a visitor uh, and, and a guest. Uh, Glendy's going to be right over here for the first connect, right under the monitor, just going to spend maybe five or seven minutes with you, saying hello and getting to know you. The rest of us, I believe, we have an appointment over at Serve Spokane at the open house there. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend.